Uh, well, this morning we are going to be talking more about marriage. We kind of started the conversation last week about the meaning, the purpose of marriage. And uh, today I thought, you know what, it would probably be a good idea to get Christina up here with me. So would you invite my wife, Christina, as she comes up? We thought we'd make this uh, more of a conversation. And so um, so last week we talked about the meaning of marriage and how a successful marriage desperately needs Jesus at the center, yeah. right? I, I, we could tell you that we would not be married still if it wasn't for Jesus, Amen. if it wasn't for his power in our, in our lives. We, we, might be, we might still be together and tolerating each other. But I don't know if we would be uh, in love and, and moving uh, with God and the plan and purpose that he has for us. We talked about really three purposes last week of marriage. And I just wanted to briefly go over these. We talked about how, number one, one of the purposes for marriage is companionship. That in the very beginning, God looked at man and he said it's not good that the man is alone, but he would provide a helper that was suitable for him. And that we talked about that suitable helper means equal, but opposite as well. Knowing that there was a plan and a purpose that God had for mankind to subdue and take dominion over the earth and to bring God's kingdom to earth. But man could not do it by himself. He needed a companion. He needed a suitable helper, one who was equal, but opposite in their skills and giftings and in their nature. We also talked about how another purpose of marriage is really procreation, that we uh, have been given the blessing to partner with the creator and bringing life into the world. But, you know, you might be saying those who aren't yet married can still have companionship and can still procreate. However, it all hinges, we talked about this last week, it all hinges on this third thing, and it's reconciliation. That God has a plan to unite the earth back to himself, and he is using the godly marriage, the godly husband and wife to raise up children who love Jesus and to create generations of people who spread the gospel across the earth. And the household is where that begins. The household is where a mother and a father instill their faith into their children, and they, uh, they disciple their children first. Now, uh, is, this, is marriage the only way that God is reconciling the earth to himself? Absolutely not. It is a way. It's a powerful way. But I did want to quit briefly uh, speak to single people. And I just wanted to, to thank you for coming on this journey with us. And I want you uh, to know that I believe what Paul says, that singleness is a gift. And according to Paul, the role that single people play within God's plan of redemption can be even greater and more impactful than those who are married because Paul says that you're not weighed down by the anxieties of marriage, right? He says marriage is hard, and if you're single, you, have, uh, you, have, uh, uh, you are thinking about the things of the Lord. And so, yeah. you know, may, if you're in this room, did you want to say something? Yeah, no, I just want to say single people, we... We do not take you for granted. You are a huge part of God's plan also. It is not something that is lesser. It's just something that's different. And I think that some of the most influential people in the kingdom were single. And so I, we, we want to speak to marriage specifically because it is um, the foundation for the family unit, is the, the relationship <laughs> between a husband and wife. But that doesn't mean, like, whether you're single for a season or for a lifetime, it makes you no, less, no lesser than 
Yeah, you know, if you are here in this place and you are single and you have a desire to be married, I want you to, to stand up and look around the room. Wave your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. Turning this into a couples group. No, I wanted to say that, uh, that, that singleness, this season of singleness that you're in is really an opportunity to become a healed and whole person. Absolutely. To become the person, how did I say this? To become someone the person you're looking for is looking for. So many of us are like, oh, I just want to marry a godly person. I want to marry somebody who is this, this, this. But then you look at your own life, and you're not doing any of that yourself. You don't have a deep relationship with the Lord, but you're looking for someone who has a deep relationship with the Lord. Use this season as an opportunity to become the person, become someone the person you're looking for is looking for. And so, uh, thank you for coming on this journey with us. If you're widowed, if you're divorced, if you're single in this room, uh, we, are, we are thinking about you. We're just glad that you're here in the room with us. We felt like we were supposed to take an opportunity for a couple weeks just to stop here and talk about marriages because uh, marriage is hard and we need help. Mm-hmm. Is this on? There we go. We need to know that we're not alone. Oh, it's a walk in the park for me. Yeah, easy. <laughs> And, you know, today we're going to talk about Paul's instruction to wives. We thought we'd do ladies first. And uh, we're going to talk about Paul's instructions to wives and what it means to submit and respect. Husbands, don't worry. You're not off the hook. Come next week. If That's you don't right. come next week, we're going to call you. That's Ask right. why you didn't come. No, just joking. Husbands, you better be here next week. We're talking to your wives today, so it means you've got to be here. But, you know, first I want to address... Uh, the typical American marriage stereotype. Has anybody seen the show The Goldbergs before? There's a show. Okay. I'm the only one who watches TV in this room. All right. There's a, lots of shows like this. But in this TV show, there's a husband who comes home from work. And as soon as he walks through the door, he takes his pants off. And he just goes and sits on the lazy boy. And his wife is constantly walking around the house, griping and nagging at him. And this is just... The, if you watch a commercial, it's, you know, the husband, the husband bumps something. Oops, you know, it's this, this stupid, lazy husband, husband and the nagging, controlling wife. And it's become a stereotype of marriage. And a lot of people see marriage in this framework. But where did this stereotype come from? Where did this, where did we get this picture of marriage? And I think that we can trace it all the way back to Genesis. We can trace all the way back to the garden. In Genesis 3, verse 6, we don't have a scripture up here on, on, the, on the slide, so you can get out your phone, get out your Bible. Genesis 3, verse 6 says this, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her? <laughs> I feel like I'm getting a lot of amens on this. He was with her. And he ate it. See, we like to blame Eve, right? We like to blame Eve, but it says that Adam was with her. Adam, Adam was the one who received instruction from the Lord not to eat the fruit of that tree. And it was Adam's responsibility to instruct and lead his wife and pass off the instruction of the Lord unto his wife. But he failed to lead Eve in obedience to God's instruction. And at the same time, Eve grasped for control. 
She wanted the wisdom of God. She grasped for control, and she ate the fruit regardless of what she knew was right. She was deceived. And, you know, sometimes I wonder how long after, how long after the wedding did all of this happen, right? Like, how long did they make it before trouble came? Not even past the honeymoon. I think it was on the honeymoon, probably. <laughs> we, we didn't. It was on our honeymoon that trouble on, struck. Let me just tell you this story. Can oh, I? No. I'm going to tell the story. Okay. <laughs> We're on our honeymoon. We're, we're on our way to Italy, church. Like, we're on our way to, like, the, the land of romance, right? And, and we've got this three-week honeymoon plan. We're waiting in the airport in Germany, and we start playing a card game. And she's winning the card game, but I happen to win that round, and she just goes off on me. She's just frustrated. You can't do that. That wasn't fair. You cheated. Just a little And I'm like, whoa, hold on a sec. Like, you're still winning. And we, we just went at each other's throat because of a card game. I said, listen, we cannot play this card game for the remainder of our honeymoon. We have yet to play it still, and it's we been 10 years. So It's been 10 years, and we still haven't played that game. The Lord is still helping us with our competitiveness. But now, the, the woman grasps for control. The husband fails to lead his wife. And what happens next is that Adam blames Eve for their sin, right? In Genesis 3.12... This is what the man says. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree and I ate it. I was just doing what I was told. I was following in line, right? She wears the pants, God. She gave me the fruit. I ate it. And this is what God says to Adam in verse 17. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife. And ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. See, here's the moral of the story. Never listen to your wife. (laughs) Just kidding, guys. Don't write that down. (laughs) I hope you know I'm playing. But the truth is, the truth is that Adam failed to lead his wife, so she took control. And this crazy cycle, this exchange takes place even today in marriages where the man maybe doesn't take his role seriously and it causes fear and insecurity in the woman. So she takes control and makes the man feel inferior and disrespected. So he treats her in unloving ways and the cycle just repeats itself over and over again. Marriage is hard. It's not easy. And overcoming that cycle is really difficult. So let's read what Paul wrote to husbands and wives. We're going to go to Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband." Yeah, that last verse there was verse 33. We kind of jumped down past the husband instruction. But, Christina, (laughs) I want to know from you, what are your immediate thoughts after reading a verse like this? And how do you think our society interprets submission? I think submission is a a bit of a trigger word, especially in our culture. Um, I I think especially because of the culture we grew up in and maybe relationships we saw modeled to us, submission means being a doormat as a woman or submission means um, that I have to do everything for my husband and he just gets to do whatever he wants and I'm just his slave or it means I have no say in anything. Huh? Yikes. Ow. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that that's like the first initial things that like make my body kind of clench when I hear that word, um, especially if we don't have a context for it. Um, but that's not at all what Paul is talking about when he's talking to women here. Uh, he's saying that the husband is the head of the home, and there's a difference between being the head of the home and being the leader in the home, and submission to that headship is what we're talking about. So what does it mean to be the leader in the home versus the head of the home? When people encounter a strong wife, we often hear, oh, I know who really wears the pants, like Lake was saying. But who should wear the pants in the home? What is the difference between a leader and a head of the house? So most people grew up with parents who had different roles in the house. So like the dad does the, uh, you know, he does all the lawn work, he barbecues, he manages the money, he, uh, you know, yeah, works. Takes care of the yard. Yeah. Yeah. And then mom cooks, cleans, changes diapers, does the shopping, and everything else. else. (laughs) Um, But the man and the wife are both called to lead their family, to be leaders in their families. And if the wife is better at accounting or making a budget, then why shouldn't she be the leader in that area? Or if the man is better at cooking, Lord, help me, please cook. Please cook, sir. (laughs) This is quickly going to turn into a marriage therapy, a live (laughs) marriage therapy session. (laughs) But the leader isn't necessarily the one who's supposed to do it. It's the one who's been given more wisdom and giftedness in an area. And so both husband and wife are called to lead within their families. Yeah, that's good. Like, uh, I think we need to get this, that Jesus, uh, we, the husband is called to be the head of the home. And we're going to get to what that means in a second. But uh, there are uh, men, men and women are both called to lead their families. And so uh, the man and the woman can lead in different areas, as Christina was saying. If somebody has more giftedness, and wisdom in a specific area, that person should take the lead mm-hmm. in that area. Whether it be the finances, whether it be cooking, whether it be conflict resolution or, or how, to, how to have a conversation, difficult conversations with the in-laws or other family members. Like whoever has the most wisdom and giftedness in that area, I think, can be the leader. And both the man and the woman are called to lead their families. Mm-hmm. But leadership is different from headship. And God has called husbands to be the head of the house, but it doesn't mean entitlement or privilege. I think oftentimes when we hear that word that we are that I am the head of this home, my house, my <clears throat> rules, it does not mean that we are superior or have uh, we we are uh, greater in any sense. It is a role of sacrifice and responsibility, mm. because Paul, Paul Paul compares headship to Jesus. Jesus is the head. The husband is the head of the home as Jesus is the head of the church. Well, what did Jesus do as the head of the church? He washed his disciples' feet. He, he died for his church. Being the head of the house doesn't mean I get more privilege or entitlement. It means I am the one responsible to lay down my life and sacrifice and serve. It's a reversed. It's a, I think it's reversed from what our society thinks yeah. of it. Is that we, we uh, I think society sees men uh, on this pedestal, and obviously there's this big fe- feminism movement that has come into our, our society as well, that is almost attacking the man's role. 
And that's unhealthy in a sense. I think it's good to stand up for the rights of women, but not to attack the integrity of men, not to attack, not to attack the role that they play in the household. We need to get past this idea that headship is more valuable or superior. If anything, it could be argued that the bride is so valuable that it's that that she's worth giving up your life for her mm. husbands. Husbands, I have a charge for you today that I, I, I pray that we take seriously the weight of the mantle that we have been given. Being the head is only a reference to Christ and how he loved and sacrificed for his bride. It's not a title of superiority. Mm. And so the, the one thing I would say is when, what happens when a man and a woman disagree? When a husband and a wife come together, they're making a decision, and they both have different opinions Whose opinion wins, right? Has this happened in your marriage? Or is it only my marriage? I think, here's my answer to this. Here's my answer to this. If, if both the man and the woman are submitted to Jesus, then the wife is called to submit to her husband. And this is what, this is what I believe Paul is talking about. When there is a, a clash in disagreements, if you have a husband uh, uh, and a wife who are following, who love both love the Lord, and they both hear from the Holy Spirit, but they disagree. The wife is called to submit to her husband, and I believe this is uh, one of the instances that headship kind of comes into play. That the man has this desire to sacrifice and serve and lead, and we're going to get into this in a little bit, bit, a little bit more. What do you think about that? Do you think that's right? Uh, I think that that God is bigger than you. God is bigger than my husband. Women, God is bigger than our husbands. And so when we trust what God's word says, that the man is the head, and then we defer to him when we're at a stalemate, we're ultimately trusting God. It's not about our husbands anymore. And that's why it's so important that Jesus is the foundation, because I'm not accountable to him. I'm accountable to Jesus. And so if I truly trust my Lord and Savior that he's going to take care of me and he's going to take care of us, then by, then by letting him lead in, this, in those areas, or sorry, letting him be the head, then I'm ultimately just trusting God. Yeah. I think that's really good because, you know, I'm sure some people in this room might be asking, well, what if my husband's not a believer? Mm, what if good. my spouse is not a believer? I think what she just said is so important to that, that God is bigger than your spouse. Mm. And so when you honor mm-hmm. and serve one another, God takes that and he uses that. He blesses that. Yeah, God will take care of you and he honors your honor. So even I think that that speaks volumes to your husband when you do honor him, regardless of whether or not he's serving Jesus. Like maybe it won't in that instant, but as time goes on and he begins to see what's happening, it will speak so much louder than anything you could say. And so when a woman is loved in this way, when a woman um, is led in this way, the overflow of her heart is to respect and honor her husband. So so the overflow meaning, um, I think about Jesus and my relationship with Jesus and how sometimes when I come to church, I have to like really work to worship. It doesn't come naturally, right? Like, but I'm still going to worship anyway because he deserves it. Other times it comes naturally and it just flows out of me because I'm so grateful for what he's done and I love him so much. And I think it's the same way in our relationship. Sometimes it's like 
sometimes I have to just do it because I know it's the right thing to do. Other times it's just an overflow of love. And so, and in this way, we submit. And so submission does not mean we don't get to have an opinion or we don't get to express ourselves. It does not mean we're a slave to our husband's desires or demands. It does not mean that we're less important or less valuable. But it does mean that we recognize the call and the mantle on our husband's life and that there is a weight placed on him that is not placed on us um, and that we honor and respect that. And sometimes, again, it's a choice, and it doesn't come naturally. Just like sometimes, oh, worship is the last thing that I want to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I can think of a couple examples in our marriage where I felt honored and respected when she followed uh, my lead. And that one of the examples is when we moved here to Afreda. Yep. Uh, we had made the decision... We had made the decision to, to move away from friends and to move away from her family, and she did not want to go initially. Um, but I felt like that was where the Lord was calling our family, and so I asked her to, just to pray about it. And she deferred to my leadership in that instance, said, okay, I, I, I trust you. And uh, she started hearing the Lord as well. And that was just one instance where I just felt tremendous honor that she would uh, do that despite her, her feelings about coming initially. Uh, and the, another way, another thing is my wife is very ambitious. And there, there's, there's lots of women probably like this, but uh, my wife has a desire to work. She has a desire to achieve and to accomplish things. And so for her to make the decision to stay at home with the kids and allow me to be the one that, to work, it blesses me. It honors me that she is submitting to my leadership in that way, allowing me to go to the office, allowing me to uh, to be a pastor while she leads the children at home. That's another example of how you've submitted and and served, and, uh, and it blesses me so much. Um, and it's been a blessing to me as well. Like, I, I can't say I've ever regretted submitting to my husband. We just have the perfect marriage, you guys. <laughs> it's perfect. Just kidding. <laughs> Just um, but if, okay, women, if you don't take away anything else from today, take away this one thing. Men spell love, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. This is something that I have a really hard time with because as women, we spell love, love. Like, it's, it's, our language is different than a man's language. A man needs to be respected to to feel loved. That's his love language. And that's something that's really hard for us to wrap our minds around because that's not the way our minds work. But, um, they, would you rather be respected by everyone, but loved by no one or loved by everyone, but respected by no one? Well, that's a hard, here, here's the thing. I mean, men need, men need love. Mm-hmm. Like men need love just like women need respect. Right. Uh, but 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 you're right. Like I, I, I think that men um, they they feel loved when they know that they're admired and respected by their wife, and they know that they're admired and, and respected by others. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we have uh, why men. You know, uh, have you anybody read the book Love and Respect before? We're going to be mm-hmm. talking about a few of the points in that book. But I think one of the, the interesting comparisons he makes is the difference between like. Uh, the, the the greeting card company oh, yeah. and the military. <clears throat> and so he talks about in this book how uh, the greeting card company uh, 
is is largely uh, funded by women. The majority of the people buying and receiving greeting cards are women. And you'll never open up a greeting card that says, I respect you so much. <laughs> right? They all say, I love you so much. It's something to do with how much you love the person because the greeting card company, they're only interested in making money. And they understand that this is what women want to hear. And this is what women want to give. They want to give and receive messages of love, right? Now, in contrast, we look at the military, and women, I think, often associate, not all women, I'm, I'm, I understand for, for this, this message, I'm, I'm throwing a lot of generalizations out there. I understand that not all women are the same and not all men are the same. But I am really talking to the core of, of men and women. But but oftentimes, I think a lot of women associate war with, with death and destruction and chaos, the majority. But men, I think, view the military as uh, something of honor. It's, it, it is an honor to serve and die for your country because in the military, uh, there is this respect that a man receives. There is this honor mm-hmm. that you receive when you are uh, serving your country and you align yourselves with other comrades who see the greatness and the potential in you, and you have people above you who speak to your life saying, I'm going to turn you into the best soldier the world has ever seen. You have it in you. You have this greatness in you. I'm calling it out of you. I think that's why there's such a draw uh, to the military, because we have this desire as men to, to do something honorable that makes us feel like we are respected and honored by others around us. So you're right. Men do spell love, R-E-S-B-E-C-T, so, so what are some ways that that we can show you that kind of honor and respect? Yeah, husbands, I think, uh, you know, I, I hope that you would agree with me as I go through these points. But I was, I was reading this book, Love and Respect, and I was agreeing with a lot of these points. And, and wives, I just want you to hear this from us today, that here are a few things um, that, that I feel uh, that women really need to appreciate about their husbands in order for them to feel respected. And this is assuming goodwill, the... That, that is your mic on? Can you hear her? This okay. Is, okay, sorry. I just need to hold it. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, you were talking about we, uh, you know. Because I, I have a hard time with, okay, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> the, the, the submission and the headship, um, especially just because of cultural stuff that I grew up in and things, um, it means something different to me than what, God intended it to mean, and so um, we, I, I almost feel like, well, if a man needs respect, then, then that's just a free pass for them to get away with whatever they want to get away with. <laughs> they get to go play golf, they get to go do all this stuff, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and not have to be, like, in the family as much, like, they get to just have a free pass kind of thing, but that's not at all what it means. And so um, we're assuming here that each spouse is good-willed and good-intentioned. And so I need to constantly fix my brain or to think, okay, he's not doing, he's not sitting on the couch playing a video game because he's trying to neglect me or to neglect his family. That's not where his brain is at. He is good-willed. He's just doing something else. And so he is, his heart is for his family. His heart is for his wife. So we're assuming that goodwill and intention while, yeah. we, while we're talking. Yeah. Are you ready for these, these things? All right. So number one, 
a man desires conquest. And I think wives uh, need to see this about their husband, that, that men were created with a desire to conquer something. We were created with a desire to work and achieve. And you see this in the Bible, that before Eve was created, and even before sin entered the world, God put Adam to work. He told him to take dominion. He gave him a mission to subdue the earth and take dominion over the earth, to work the land with the intention to build cities and bring God's kingdom to earth. A man has this innate desire for conquest. We want to conquer something. What about the fact that many homes have both parents working these days and many women like me desire to work and contribute to society as well? Yeah, no, I think you're right. I'm not saying that that women don't have the same desires as men, but the difference is I think it's best illustrated by how long you can survive with food or water. So what I mean is that uh, a person, a human can survive without food for months, assuming that they had water to drink, but a person can only survive without water for a few days. And I think that these desires that I'm talking about this morning are like water for men and food for women. Both the husband and wife, they may have these desires, but the wife needs to understand that these things are life-giving to a man. Mm. This desire to work and achieve, to conquer something, it, it's attached to our purpose. It's attached to uh, what God has created us to do since the very beginning. And so we want to conquer something. And I think that um, understanding that, that this is how uh, men tick, this is how your husband uh, ticks. Men, would you say amen to that? Amen. Uh, the second thing is, I think that uh, women, uh, wives need to see in their husbands the desire for their husband to protect and provide. Men desire to protect and provide for their family. And if you look at the, uh, the life insurance industry, billions upon billions of dollars are spent on life insurance premiums. And a vast majority are bought by men because we want to know that our family will be taken care of if something happens to us. Inside of every single one of us is this desire to protect and provide. And I would just say, when is the, when is the last time, uh, wives, you know, Christina, we, we, as we were going through. Yeah, yeah well, how, how can we show you this? How can we help you know, support this? In as you? we've been kind of reading these books together and, and preparing for this, uh, Christina did something. She walked into the room and she had kind of had a list of things that she wanted to thank me for. And it just blessed me. She just said, um, she said, I want to thank you for going to work. I want to thank you for providing for our family, for always keeping our family safe. And, um, and as she began to say these things, I just began to feel, and those are the kind of things that I remember, men that we remember for, for years and years to come. And so uh, I think the women need to understand that men have this desire to protect and provide. Another thing is we have a desire for leadership. Men have a desire for leadership. And, and it's supposed to be a Christ-centered servant leadership. And oftentimes, leadership can be abused in the home, mm. and it can be uh, manipulated to be something that it wasn't. But we, inside of a man, is this desire for, uh, is this desire to lead his family. Men find so much honor in service and sacrifice to their country, as I mentioned. They desire to give their lives to something greater than themselves. But for some men... This type of leadership was never never modeled for them. 
this leadership, this service-oriented leadership was never modeled to them by their father or other men in their life, which is why I think it is so important that as men, we uh, come alongside brothers in Christ who sharpen us, and we find mentors in our life that we look up to and we aspire to be like, because that servant leadership sometimes needs to be modeled for us. And wives, uh, this type of leadership sometimes needs to be called out of your husband. Mm-hmm. It needs to be encouraged out of them. Oftentimes when a husband is not leading his family, the tendency might be to, 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 to nag. And why don't you do this? And I wish you would, t- I wish you would do this. And, and we, you know, what wives might tend to put their husbands down. Uh, but, but instead I think wives, what is so beneficial is when you look at your husband and you see them the way that God created them. You see the mantle on their life. You see their desire to lead, and you yeah. you fan that into flame. I think you call it uh, out. Yeah, I mean, I think an exercise that all of us wives can do when we go home this week, and please do, is to just think of just five things that you respect about your husband, and write them down. Um, so I respect that my husband chooses to be a pastor when he could literally do anything else because he's so talented. I respect, like, just write five things that you respect about your husband and share them with him. Like, even if you're mad at him, even if you guys have an ongoing fight, whatever's happening, do this and see what happens. See what happens. Because I think that just how Blake was talking about the military and men needing to be called up into something. Um, What was that story about? being called up rather than being talked down to in the military, how the, those units do better. Yeah, oftentimes, um, you know, in the military, uh, according to this, this book, those of you who have been in the military could probably speak into this, but uh, men receive instruction so much better when, uh, you know, when you have a, someone in authority not saying, you're, you know, you're a maggot, you're worthless, you can't do anything. Instead, they would look at the men and they found out that if they spoke to the men like this, if they said, today's performance was subpar, you did not do very good today, but I see within you the potential to become the greatest soldier the world ever seen. And by the end of the, this, by the end of three months, I'm going to turn you into the best soldier you, yeah. the world has ever seen. That when they began to speak into men like that, they saw performances rise. They saw that the men stepped up to the plate because they were called to a higher standard. Yeah. And I, I feel like I could hear some of you saying, well, what if there's nothing I respect about my husband? And I would challenge you to pray. Take it to prayer. Because I think that God, can, God will soften your heart and God will show you things that you didn't see before. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, the fourth thing I had written down was, um, wives, appreciate your husband's desire to provide insight. Mm. Another way to put this is that we want to help fix things. <laughs> And we're going to talk about this next week, how sometimes wives, they share their feelings and their thoughts, because, not because they want their husbands to fix it, they just, just want listen. somebody to listen, right? Uh, but we have this desire to provide insight, to help fix things. And so uh, I think, number one, a man needs to know when it's time to offer insight and when it's time to just listen to his wife. Uh, but number two, I think a wife needs to know when it's time to receive insight, when it's time to honor uh, her husband's wisdom. Uh, I know, but this is only. I think this can only happen again, assuming goodwill. So when when your husband or when when you give each other feedback or constructive criticism, we're assuming that he has my best intention at heart, and and vice versa. And so, um, a, and a good example of this was that we 
uh, my family did family therapy um, about a year ago. And uh, after the session, um, Blake looks at me and goes, man, you're, you're a real jerk to your parents. Like, when you were younger, wow, I can't believe that, like, you put them through all that. You should apologize. And I looked at him, and I was like, what are you talking about? But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, wow, I really was a pill. Like, I was a little bit of a rebellious teenager, a jerk. And so I, the next time my parents were over, I, in the yard, I went and I apologized to them. And, but that was only because I, I was able to listen to Blake and hear his heart was not to put me down in any way. It was to help me see something that I didn't see before. Um, the fifth thing I had, I got two more things, okay? Uh, the fifth thing I have is that I, a wife needs to appreciate her husband's desire for friendship. This shoulder-to-shoulder companionship that uh, a man, uh, at least uh, I, I'll speak for myself. I believe I'm speaking for, for men when I say this, that we want to do things with our wives. We recently, Christina expressed interest in golf, and so we got her a set of golf clubs. Boy, you can't tell me how happy that made me. <laughs> To know that my wife wants to come along with me, wants to, wants to take this up with me. Uh, the other day, I was in the basement just doing stuff, and she came down, and she just sat with me as I was doing things that I love to do in the basement. And I would look over at her and just smile because she was just with me. And I realized that there's a desire in me, a desire in men to do things with their wives. Most men are secure in the fact that uh, their wives love them. Like, That's wives. Good. Uh, Christina, I know that you love me. I'm assured in your love for me. Sometimes I don't always know if you like me. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder, sometimes we wonder, men, do our wives still like us? Do they still enjoy our company? Right? And what we love to see is when our wives come alongside of us and do something with us that we enjoy. They come on the boat when we go fishing. They hop in the golf cart when we go golfing. They're with us in the garage when we're working on the car. Whatever it is, wives, just be with your husband. And you were talking about how it feels like a waste of time. I hear, yeah, I just hear some of you ladies because my my initial reaction is like, what a waste of time. I could be doing the dishes. I could be doing the laundry. I could be doing packing the lunches. All these different things that I could be doing. But in reality, when you do that, when you practice this, um, it there's a look in his eye that happens. And there's this, like, life that comes to him just by being with him and not saying anything. Men, men can do that. Men can think about nothing. I don't know how, but they can. Men, raise your hand if you can literally <laughs> think about it. It's a gift. It's a spiritual gift. <laughs> and so just being with him in that moment is what he is is, fills him up in the same way that him listening to you which we'll talk about next week um when you need to vent out all all the things that are going on inside of you um does for you we save the best for last church i don't think we can leave a marriage conversation without talking about sex all right so we're going to talk about it but women I understand. Now my mic's going to cut out. <laughs> Lord, do you not want me to share this with them? The enemy. It's the enemy trying to stop us. No. Wives, you need to understand that your husband is built differently than you. That they, they have a different way that, that they experience intimacy. Uh, 
Um, men need sexual release as a woman needs emotional release. Uh, it's, it's how he, I know, I just, is it getting awkward in the room? Is people getting hot or something? Like, I hope not. Yeah, there we go. We're getting some amens. I better be getting some amens from you guys. Like, no, but sex truly is how men experience deep intimacy with their wife. Women, they want to feel close before sex, but men feel close to their wives after sex. It is how we develop intimacy with our wives. And one of the greatest problems in today's marriages involves sexual, sexual intimacy. And I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that the devil will do anything in his power to get two people in bed with each other before they're married. Because when that happens, you break trust in each other's integrity. It begins to erode your relationship a little bit before marriage. And we can talk about this more in a, in a, in a future uh, series. Maybe not. Maybe we will. But the devil will do everything in his power to get two people in bed before marriage and everything in his power to keep a man and a woman out of bed after they're married. Because, because sex together is truly what unites, I mean, when, when the Bible talks about the man and the woman becoming one flesh, it, what, it's what unites a man and a woman together. And the, the enemy knows this. The enemy knows that if he can keep a husband and a wife from having sex with one another, he can keep deep intimacy away from the two of them. Yeah, I, sex is a weapon. And it's either a weapon for the enemy to keep you divided, or it can be a weapon to unite you and to bring you together. And so I, um, so when we were in premarital, I think, um, we were told that. And I just remember that so strongly because I do feel like that's kind of the typical thing is like, oh, if you disappoint me or you do something that you weren't supposed to or you were stupid, then I'm just going to not have sex with you. But that's totally the wrong way to think about it. Yeah. No, you know, women, imagine if your husband refused um, to be emotionally intimate with you forever. Like he just, he just, you went for months and months and months without having any emotional connection with your wife. It drives you crazy. You begin to starve. Like I said earlier, in the same way, men need sexual release the same way that women need emotional release. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I, you got some homework this week. No, I'm just kidding. It got really awkward in the room. Gosh, goodness me. Am I, am I talking to married people or not? <laughs> but, but what we wanted to do, I know this is kind of an awkward way to end, and we're not going to get weird on y'all. But I, I, really, I just want to pray for marriages. We're, we're wrapping up our time here, and we're going we're gonna to go pick up our kids in a, in a second. But, but these things, wives, I feel like uh, we need to see uh, that these are things that men uh, appreciate, and they, they, this is how they receive respect. Is there anything you wanted to add before we close in prayer? Yeah, I just, just to remember that, that men feel loved when they feel respected. And so, again, if you can, just think of a few things that you respect about your husband and tell him this week and see what happens. Yeah. Well, would you stand with me, church? And I want to pray a blessing over your, over your marriages, pray a blessing over your families as we close. 
Heavenly Father, I just pray right now for those married couples in the room, the ones, uh, Lord, who just need more uh, intimacy with one another. And Father, we just pray a blessing over them in Jesus' name, God, that you would begin to soften their hearts, that this would be a church of humble husband and wives who truly listen to one another and seek after the needs of their spouse and, and desire to be servant leaders, to, to desire to be servants in their relationships. God, we pray that you would um, ignite a new fire, a new spark, a new passion, a new romance, a new love yeah. in the marriages in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, church. And uh, make sure tonight that you uh, come to our prayer gathering at 530, and I will see you there. Bless you.